The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to the Olathe campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Let me pray for us and we'll jump into this new series uh, together. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, many of us, uh, with heavy hearts, feeling how broken our world is, uh, the shooting in Las Vegas, get another hurricane on its way, drama in North Korea and everything else everywhere. We feel the big and the small. We know how broken it is. So God, we, we pray that your church, your people everywhere would rise up to help, to serve, to love. Father, I pray that instead of retreating into comfort, we would press into the pain. Let us be your people and deliver us from evil, we pray. Jesus, we, we wait for the day when you will return and all will be made new and whole inside us and around us. Lord Jesus, come. But until that day, we gather here week after week to remind each other that you are still God. Help us know that as we sing, as we encourage one another, as we gather around your word. We need to hear your voice. And so speak to us and help us listen. Be glorified, we pray. Amen. Well, one of the questions... Uh, that I've been asked uh, a few times, uh, more like over and over and over again, uh, in the past, oh, seven months, has been, how do you like your new job, Nathan? Uh, some of you know that I've kind of made a transition, and I've been asked that question uh, a lot, and we felt really, really loved by our church family, so thank you for carrying us in the midst of this, this transition. We, we were so, so grateful. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's okay. Like uh, My history with Christ Community begins a long time ago. I started attending 20 years ago uh, this fall, actually, as a high school student, uh, as a part of the church. I went off to college and seminary, came back in 2005, joined the staff as the, the first uh, class of our pastoral residency of training and developing uh, young pastors. Uh, for ministry. We've been doing that uh, ever since. But in 2006, this property, this building here, this portion of it, as well as the, the, the land around us was practically given to us. And I, so I got to be a part of uh, Christ Community's initial move into being one church in multiple locations uh, and being a part of planting our, our second campus, which is, which is right here. And I've, and I've been a part of that team, have been the campus pastor here for the last uh, 10 years. Um, it's been really, really fun. Uh, but seven months ago, a change happened, right? 
Again, some of you are aware of that. So I, I entered into a new, a new role as one of our senior pastors working across all of our campuses. So Reed is now the campus pastor here, and we love that guy, right? Isn't he killing it? It's just so good. So, ah, man. And really the whole team here at Olathe has just been amazing. In fact, uh, it's been sort of fun to see how little they need me. Um, it's been great. Like, hey, guys, if there's anything I can do to help. No, we're fine. Uh, no, they got it. They're good. They're, they're, they're doing awesome. Um, it's, it has been really fun. And, and so... You know, most Sundays I'm still here. I still get to preach and be a part of that. That's part of who I am. I, I, I long for that. I long to be present in this place. Um, but my kind of my midweek leadership energies is, is now spent thinking about Christ community strategically across all of our all of our city. And so I work closely with the campus pastors and, and get to do all that. It's been fun to be able to really peer in to see what is God doing in, in Brookside and Leewood and downtown and Shawnee Mission, as well as here in Olathe. It's it's been it's been incredible. I love I love my new job. I love that I get to still it's the best of both worlds. Like, I still get to be here, like, which is my favorite campus, of course. <laughs> Will always be my favorite. Don't you worry. Um, but also, at the same time, I get to think strategically about the whole because I love, I love Christ's community. I love what, what God is doing through us, and I love that we get to, to be a part of that together across, across our city. So it's been really good. Uh, but let me just say, it's also really kicked my butt. Like, these last seven months have been hard, right? The steep, the steep learning curve. And I, I mean, just to be truthful, like, I, I've had more sleepless nights, more anxiety, more moments of just outright desperation than I can remember having in a really, really long time. Um, I didn't ask for this job, and it's, it's been really, really challenging. In fact, there have been times, like, in my darker moments, and those of you who know me know, like, I can, I can get pretty dark. Um, in my darker moments, I've, I've felt a little bit like, like this guy, like this, this guy here. Just start fresh someplace. Someplace else. You know, no job, no family. Just walk away. That's my number one fantasy. Number one fantasy pick, Don. <laughs> David Johnson. David Johnson. Good. David Johnson. I love that. I love that. No, I'm not a flight risk. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't resist. Uh, but the reality is, like, I mean, again, seriously, I have, I have cried out to God more in the last few months, asking for help, for wisdom, for courage, for strength, all of that, um, than I have in a really, really, really long time. Um, which, like, if you think about it, it's kind of where God wants us, right? Dependent. I mean, I hate to say that, but... I mean, I think we kind of know that that's true. It's even made me wonder, like, how much of my life has just kind of been on autopilot, self-sufficient? You know how easy it is for all of us to just be like, hey, God, I got this, right? I'll let you know if I need anything. And really, I think many of us, myself included, we almost kind of think that's the goal of life, right? Self-sufficiency. It's, it's supposed to be easy, right? And one day, so help me, it's going to be easy, right? And so we, we carve out these small lives for ourselves, these self-centered goals. We actually believe that the best life is the easy life, don't we? So we chase comfort. We wish away difficult phases. We avoid risk. Just want to blend in, keep our heads down, and make it to, to easier days. I want a life I can handle. I mean, I'm not the only one here, right? You with me? And then I read Jeremiah. Ugh, that guy. 
Uh, today we're starting a, a new series. We're going to spend eight weeks with this Old Testament prophet who lived so long ago. And, and when I read Jeremiah, what sticks with me, and really what I hope sticks with you this morning and, and frankly, all of these weeks together, is that if you, if you think you can handle your life, you're doing it wrong. If you think you can handle your life, I got this, it's easy, it's going to get better, I'm in control, right? If you think you can handle your life, you're doing it wrong, which is why we're calling this series Life a Task Too Big for Us. Now, now for some of you, you know you can't handle your life, right? That money problems, family problems, relationship problems, work problems, whatever, you name it. Or even you just, you just look across our world, right? And you just, you feel the pain of it. Another shooting, another hurricane, another terrible thing happening in the, in the news. And you, you feel the heartache, you know it, you know you can't handle your life. If that describes you, you and Jeremiah, you're going to hit it off. But the rest of us, spending our lives chasing comfort, ease, security. I'm not sure we're going to like this guy. Because the reality is God always calls his people to so much more. He calls us to a life that is just too big for us. I mean, just turn to Jeremiah 1. Let's take a look. We're going to spend our time really in, in God's call to Jeremiah this morning because God kind of sets the stage of what it's going to look like and, and what's going to happen. And, um, and as we do that, we're going, to, we're going to see three things this morning. Three things uh, as we wrestle with this life we just can't handle, right? It's worse than you think. It's harder if you're his. And it's better than you can imagine. That's where we're going. It's worse than you think. It's harder if you're his. And it's better than you can imagine. Which is great, right? Sounds fun. It's a good way to start off. Anytime I can begin a sermon with it's worse than you think, I just get out of bed pumped, right? Um, welcome to church. The reality is, okay, like Jeremiah's life as well as our own, like if we're going to understand what's going on there, we have to understand his context. We have to understand our context as well. And so Jeremiah sets the stage. This is the, this is the world in which he lived. Jeremiah, he begins chapter 1, verse 1. He says, the words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. All right, you got it? That's the context. Everybody understand all that? Yeah, okay. Of course not. Uh, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. People say the Bible's hard to understand. Um, Okay, so here, here's what's important there. What, what Jeremiah is trying to do, he's, he's setting the stage, and they, they don't have like a calendar of like, you know, in 2017, right? So he's, it's all based on who's ruling. And so that's why all these kings are listed. He's giving himself, giving his readers the, the, the timeline of where he's at. And here, here's what's important. So Jeremiah says, uh, first of all, he was a priest and a prophet. Okay, so he did both, was probably born into the, the priesthood and into that sort of, that sort of vocation, uh, but also God is calling him to be a prophet. And we think of prophet, like don't think of uh, a fortune teller, that's kind of what we think, or some of you are picturing Gandalf, that's not helpful. Um, in the Old Testament, a prophet is simply someone who speaks for God. Someone who, who God says, you are my mouthpiece, my words are going to flow out through you. That's, that's, that's what, what Jeremiah is. And he serves in that role, again, timeline, right? From 627 BC, so 2,600 plus years ago, all the way through the destruction of Jerusalem and their exile into Babylon in 587. 
40 years, he watches his nation go from bad to worse. In fact, if you were here with us uh, this summer, you might remember we talked about Ahab and Elijah uh, for a while, and things were terrible with Ahab and Elijah. This is after that. Okay, this is deeper into that abyss. Things, believe it or not, they've actually gotten worse. The people that abandoned God, like God's people, the ones that he had called out of Egypt and rescued, have, want nothing to do with him. They were, according to Jeremiah, sleeping around with idols and false gods. All of their leaders were corrupt, politically and religiously. All of them. They were oppressing the marginalized. Those who were hurting in their culture were discarded and abused. Even murdering kids on the altars to these false gods. That's what's happening in Judah at this time. And, as if that's not bad enough, Jeremiah knows, God has revealed this to him, uh, that the Babylonian army is getting stronger. They're the superpower of that day. They're the big power, and they are brutal. And they, they're coming for God's people. And Jeremiah knows that when they come, they will rape, torture, murder pillage, and destroy. And Jeremiah will watch it happen. All of it. This is, this is the world in which he's writing. And, and I, I know, like, you know, 2,600 years later, and we've all progressed smashingly, haven't we? Things are so much better I mean, oppression and racism still abound. Political and religious corruption are everywhere. Warring nations, violence threatened at every corner, right? The idolatry that still lives within our hearts. Yeah, we've evolved beautifully, we humans. And sure, our world, our world could not be more different. I mean, I get that, right? Things have changed in 2,600 years, and yet it's all so strangely familiar Because our problem is still the same. We humans are a mess. Like if we know how to to ruin something, to break something, to corrupt something, like we'll find a way, won't we? We see it there, we see it today. And it's worse than we think. It's also harder if you're his. That's the second thing. Life with Jesus is actually harder. You can't miss that in Jeremiah. And like, I know for some of you, you're like, well, like, what's the point? Like, why would, I, why would I possibly do this? Why would I give my life to his? Like, isn't faith supposed to make life easier? Isn't, isn't Jesus supposed to make my life more comfortable? Like, what good is God if he doesn't do those things? Well, I mean, think about it. Like, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes. What would I do if God had done this to me? Had told me this is what's going to happen. Like, everything's going to fall apart. Nobody's going to listen to you. I would have run. Like, I would have I gotten out of there. In fact, I mean, even just this, this past week, like Monday, uh, after everything in, in Las Vegas and the terrible shootings and all the news all day on Monday, like, I got home and said to Kelly, only half kidding, so you ready to move to the wilderness? Like, are you ready to get out? Just find, a, like, isolation, safety, build our own sort of fortress. That's, that's my number one fantasy. Actually, it's Jeremiah's, too. Because a few chapters later, chapter 9, he's just kind of getting into this prophet gig. Uh, and here's what he says in chapter 9, verse, verse 2. He says, Oh, that I had a, in the desert a traveler's lodging place. Like a little vacation home in the wilderness, Right? 
that I might leave my people and go away from them. Like he's finished already. But the reality is he doesn't have that option. God's people, we don't have that option. You see, God comes to Jeremiah, chapter one now again, back in verse four. This is how Jeremiah describes it. Imagine this, right? Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then it kind of goes on and, and God reaches out and touches Jeremiah's mouth, whatever that means, whatever that looked like, right? But like puts his words into Jeremiah's mouth, mouth essentially. And says in verse nine, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. You, Jeremiah, you nobody, over nations and kingdoms. And here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna pluck up and break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. What a strange collection of words, right? I mean, yeah, Jeremiah's message, there, there is hope in it. We'll see that. We'll cling to that along the way. This, this idea of building and planting, there will be some of that. But his message is a message of judgment, plucking up, breaking down, destroying and overthrowing. And he will preach this sermon for 40 years. Do you want to know how many people that we know of listened to him in 40 years? Two. That's it. 40 years of preaching. You know what, people? If you just turn back to God... If you just forsake your sins, he will forgive you. He'll welcome you back. God is, God is gracious and, and loving. He will do this if you turn. And two, listen, in 40 years, how long would you have lasted? Instead, more likely, Jeremiah is, is beaten, mocked, and imprisoned. And even, even Jeremiah, in this, this first scene of him being called by God, he was like, God, me? Like, surely you've, you've made a mistake, right? Verse, verse six, then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. I'm just a kid. He's right. He's probably a teenager, maybe in his early 20s. And yet God says, I've got a job for you, Jeremiah. <sighs> yeah, but that's his life, Right? I mean, Jeremiah's a prophet. He's in the Bible for crying out loud. That's not, that's not what God is calling us to do, right? Well, sure, it's not going to look the same. We're not the same as Jeremiah. And yet we certainly know God's people are never called to run away in fear. We're called to run in, to stand with the marginalized, to love the, the hurting, to speak tro truth to corrupt powers, to walk in faith, even when everyone else around us cowers in fear. Even when it really is scary to continue walking, standing in faith. If you're, if you're not a Christian, you can run. You can hide. You can jump right into the, uh, the sins of the world, right? I wouldn't recommend it, but you, you have that freedom. But if you're with Jesus, like, like if you claim to be a Christian... And yet God has never asked you to do something really hard. You're not listening. He always pushes us further in. And so what, what is God calling you to do? I mean, any, any more, I think, 
when we think about our lives, we, we often think about what I want to get out of the world, right? Like, what's in it for me, right? I've got to do my thing, and what can I get from my job? What can I get from my church? What can I get from this relationship? Like, we're, we're, we're consumers, we're takers. Like, it's all, it's all kind of centered upon, upon me and what I get. Rarely do we ask, what does my world require of me? As I look at the brokenness, what's needed? How can I fit in? And what what is God asking of me? Of course, if you do ask that, it's going to be harder, right? But this life, a life too big, it's also better than we can imagine. It's better than we can imagine. I think we know that, at least a little bit. Like, nobody ever celebrates stories of ease. Like, you know that. Like, hey, that guy was born with everything and died in comfort, right? Let's make a movie. No, I mean, of course not. Like, we don't, we don't gather around those stories. We don't tell those stories. We don't want those stories to be told of us. We love stories like Jeremiah, stories of people who hear a higher call and respond accordingly. Of course that's what I want for my life. It just seems like a lot of work, right? And I always drift towards the life that I can handle. The one that's easy and comfortable and safe. And so what, is, what does Jeremiah know that I'm, maybe I've forgotten? Why is this harder life better? Well, I, think it, I think we see it in, in God's words to Jeremiah here. First, first, it's better because he knows who we are, this God who calls us. He knows who we are. I mean, think... Think even just about the tenderness in this, this verse, verse 5. It just, I don't know, it kind of blows me away, right? The God of the universe says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before you were even conceived, Jeremiah. Before you were even a, a glimmer in your father's eye, Jeremiah. I, I had a plan for you. I saw you. I knew you. I chose you. I mean, even, even there in the, in the womb, right? This is one of, one of the reasons, one of many reasons why I believe that life matters from conception to the grave, that there's something unique going on. Even God knows what's in there, and God, God has, a, has a plan there. And again, you might be thinking, yeah, but Jeremiah is unique. He's a prophet. I'm ordinary. Does God really see me like he sees Jeremiah? I think Yes. In fact, I think the Apostle Paul uh, alludes to that, and even, even more when he writes to the church in, in Ephesus in Ephesians 1. Yes, like, if, if you're with Jesus, this is how God sees you. Look at, listen to these words. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for his family, right? For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. He has known you even before he made the world. Isn't that crazy? Like, before any of this existed, he knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He has seen every decision that you have ever made, both good and bad. He knows every heartache, and none of them have come into your life in surprise to him. He sees you. He knows you. And he is the one who calls you. Uh, Yeah, but it's still terrifying. Of course it is. The world is really broken. That's worse than you think, right? It's, it, it, 
There's lots of good reasons to be afraid. And that's really the second reason this harder life is still a better life, because he is with us in our fear. You can't miss that here. He doesn't just look down on our fears like some lofty God from, a, from afar saying, ah, you'll be fine. Right? He's with us in our, in our fear. Look at verse, verse 8. God says to, to him, do not be afraid of them. Like meaning all the people around you, your own people who are going to disown you, who are going to mock you, abuse you, imprison you, threaten to kill you at every turn. Like, don't be afraid of them. Or the Babylonians, like one of the most brutal armies ever to come, who are going to come and destroy all the people around you and burn your own temple to the ground. Don't be afraid of them. Not because it's not scary. God doesn't say that. Not because just get over it, it's fine. Your pain is an illusion. Suffering isn't real. No, no, God never says that. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. You know, it's one of the things that I love about the Christian faith that sets our faith apart from others is that our God never denies our pain, our suffering, our heartache. He never says, get over it. It's not that scary. No. He knows that it's, it's hard. He knows that it's frightening. And he doesn't promise us an escape from those moments, but he does promise to be with us in them. Yeah, but how, right? I mean, there's so often God feels absent. God is with us in his people, and he's with us in his, in his word. I mean, he's with us in our need for each other and in our fears. He's with us. Like, this is why we gather week after week. It's to remind ourselves, no matter what happens throughout the week, that God is still God. And I'm going to forget that on my own. Like, I need you. I needed you this week to, to remind me that God is still faithful, right? He's, there's still hope. And maybe there are times when you can't sing these songs. There are times when I don't feel like it. But others, let others sing them for you. You cannot handle this life alone. Neither can I. He's also with us through his word. And God's word is a major theme throughout Jeremiah, that God is putting his words into Jeremiah's mouth. And those words are, are written down for us and, and many others beside. And this book is not a quick fix, right? I know. But there's comfort here if you're looking for it. Read it. If, if you're new to the Bible, uh, an easy way to get started, we have what we call open here. You can sign up on our website for that. It's a daily Bible reading plan. We'll send you a chapter a day. Uh, you can even just, you know, listen to it if you want to. Uh, we're going to read Jeremiah together. Big surprise on that probably. But we're going we're to do that starting today. He's with us here. And I can, I can say, you know, I've, I've sat with a lot of hurting people hospital rooms and deathbeds. Um, I can say a lot of things, right? I mean, you've heard me say a lot of things. Silence is, you know, I can overcome it pretty quickly. Um, but something happens when I open this book. Like something unique in those settings, when, when we get, if we're listening for it, if, we, if we're looking for God's comfort, there's something unique in his word. God is with us in our fear. And finally, this life too big is better because he strengthens us in our weakness. God knows Jeremiah's weak. He knows, he knows you're weak. He knows I'm weak. That doesn't stop him from calling us. In fact, just a few chapters later now in chapter 12, like if you were to, to look ahead a little bit, there's a point, again, Jeremiah's new to this prophet thing, and he, he's having second thoughts, to say the least. He's like thinking about putting in his two weeks notice. Like it's just not going well. He's super discouraged, frustrated, and just, he's complaining to God. 
crying out to God. Like, why, God? And I, and I love, first of all, that, that, like, Jeremiah can do that. You can do that. You can bring your complaints to God. He knows them already. Like, let him have it. Tell him where you're hurting. And you can, you can wear those things with one another, too, in community, right? Because we trust one another. We're all weak. You're, you're, you're human. Of course you're weak. God knows that we're weak. And yet, God responds to Jeremiah in chapter 12, verse 5. He says, Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? It's an interesting picture, isn't it? Just to imagine that. I mean, I love it and I kind of hate it at the same time. Because on the one hand, Jeremiah, I got to say, Jeremiah, like, it's going to get a whole lot worse. Right? You think you're tired out now, you've been racing with other people. I, I got horses in store for you, buddy. That's going to get way, way worse, right? So I, 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 I don't like that. And yet what I, what I love here is that God knows that it's impossible. Like he, know, he knows that we can't do it. I can't outrun a horse. And friends, you can't handle your life. You were never meant to. Not alone. It is hard and scary, and you and I both, we will default towards self-protection and comfort and ease at every turn, but God wants you to race with horses. He wants you to live a life that's impossible, a life that, that is out of reach, that you can't do on your own, that demands faith, that requires sacrifice, that takes risks and brings hope. For only then do we get a chance to see God's strength. This is, this is what Jesus did for us, isn't it? And this, this is how we can enter this, because it is Jesus who knows who we really are. Because he's come to this earth. Our God doesn't just look down upon us, but he has come, he's entered, and he knows what it's like to hurt, to feel disappointment and, and pain and heartache. He knows, he's, he's, he knows how broken it is. And he's with us in our fear, for he came and, and hung on a cross for us to take upon himself all of our fears, all of, our, all of our sins, all of our disappointments, every bit of, of heartache and death itself to take away the power of sin and death so that really at the end of the day, what do we have left to fear? And he empowers us. For it was in his moment of greatest weakness, I mean, God's defeat on a cross, when everything looked hopeless and powerless, it becomes God's moment of greatest strength, right? As he triumphs over death and the resurrection and he promises to do the same for all who trust in him. This is the life he calls us to. And yes, it is absolutely too big for you and me. If you think you can handle your life, you're doing it wrong. But go with him and you will run with horses. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are things we cannot do on our own. And so we pray for, for your strength. Um, God, help us to see the areas in which we choose comfort and safety. Help me to see those and to turn from them. God, I pray that we would run to those who are hurting and marginalized. God, that we would speak up in moments of, of pain and darkness. God, that you would show us how you have made these things possible through Jesus. And that help us believe that this life even though harder is a better life. Help us believe that this is the life we want, that this is the life you've called us to. I pray that in Jesus' name.
So today's good word for the road comes from Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 4, and 18 and 19. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Then Paul prays for the believers, that you may have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. As you leave this morning, know that you're leaving with others who can't handle life apart from God. May you go in peace with other horse runners.